Morena etfana. Right. Don't know if you noticed. Got my tough guy thing happening today because I've got sort of fake tattoos. It says love and hate on my fingers there. Yeah, I know. He's impressed. Um, you might be wondering why. You probably weren't because I have to actually point it out to you. But let's just say you're wondering why I've got love and hate on my uh, knuckles or my fingers. I'll explain that in a moment. But first, a clip. Then the good Lord went on to say, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. What's wrong? A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Yeah, I wonder if he's a good guy or a bad guy, huh? This is a movie, a certified classic, called um, The Night of the Hunter. Just for my own curiosity, out of my own curiosity, has anyone seen this? It's so good. Um, it's so good. But um, I would tell you to go watch it, but I'm going to totally have spoilers today, so I don't know. Do it anyway. It's great. Um, anyway, in this film, um, there's this guy, the da 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 guy, and um, he arrives in town, and he's a preacher. His name's Harry Powell. And the movie is all about, in a way, what does real faith look like? Because you... Got to figure out, if you're one of the townsfolk in this movie, you got to figure out whether this guy is a real preacher or he's not. And, you know, no prize for guessing which side he falls on. But in real life, of course, most bad guys don't turn up with a dun-dun-dun kind of music in the background. And so we have to sort of exercise discernment and cultivate discernment. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. This guy, he... Um, he, he rolls into town and he really lays it on thick in terms of his kind of, um, this kind of religious persona. Let me give you a, a bit of an example here. You're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see, these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch, and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging, one against the other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand, left hand hates a fighting, and it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won. And old left hand hate is down for the count. I never heard it better told. So there you have it. She's never heard it better told um, than that. I, I'm not sure I agree. There's some sort of deficiencies in that gospel presentation there. But I do love the hot dog loves the winning. 
Um, and he's, you know, he seems pretty legit, maybe. I don't know. That lady, she's pretty taken with him. She thinks he's the real deal. He's, uh, he's got all the language. He talks the talk. He's even got a witnessing tool, like, in his, like, tattooed on his hands. You know, this guy, he's got to be the real deal. This, to me, this movie seems to me to be um, quite heavily influenced by First John, and perhaps particularly the passage we're going to look at today. Um, and we are continuing our series today in First John, and like I said, we're looking at this question, what does real faith look like? This series is Walking in the Light, and today we're looking at First John chapter 3, starting in verse 11, and I, I don't have it on the screen. Um, I kind of figured, I had this epiphany this week that I think everyone is either going to come in with a Bible or a device for the most part. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just trust that you can look that up. Um, I'm going to read from verse 11, and then I'm going to stop for a bit, and then we'll pick it up again a little bit later in the sermon. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that, that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We'll stop there for a moment. We'll pick it up again. John here has a community of people who have gone through something it would seem a bit like a church split or something like that. There's been people among them who have been teaching and preaching, uh, but they've been teaching and preaching all the wrong kind of stuff. Some of the stuff to do with um, Jesus in particular. And they've gone through some sort of like split or walkout or something like that, and people are hurting and they're wondering who's right and who's wrong. Whose faith is real and whose isn't? How can we tell what real faith actually looks like? And that's what John is addressing here. Now, I find this passage quite, um, in fact, the book of 1 John is circuitous. It's kind of um, like a maze. And it's not easy for us as modern Westerners who like things in a kind of linear kind of way. It's not easy for us to totally follow the train of thought. So I spent a bit of time this week um, trying to nut it out and organize it in a very kind of, um, I don't know, kind of flowcharty kind of, I don't know, my appeal to accountants or, or business types or something like that. But it just helped me to kind of get my head around what I think um, John has in mind here. It's not that he, you know, he's not clear and I'm clarifying. It's, it's not that. It's just a cultural difference about how we organize and present thoughts. So what does real faith look like? Well, it seems to me that John envisages real faith begins with the Spirit of God indwelling, Spirit of God living in you. 
And that leads to keeping God's command. Now, it, he talks about keeping God's commands. He's not, you know, I don't know about you, but you think about commands, you might think of commandments and, and the, what is it, like the 413 or whatever it is, um, commandments in the Old Testament. I might have got that number wrong, or the Ten Commandments. But actually, John's pretty explicit here. The command, he has basically two commands in mind, which you could consider all one together in a way. And one is to believe in Jesus. Now, he wants you to believe some of the right stuff about Jesus. I don't think he necessarily, you need to have a, you know, a, a very sophisticated understanding, but there are some essential things that he clarifies in this book that is important. So he wants you to believe in Jesus, or more importantly, God commands us to believe in Jesus. But belief is sometimes a bit hard to nut out sometimes, and it's certainly hard to nut out when you look at someone else. You know, what do they really believe? What, this character from this movie, you know, he, he talks and says that he believes this stuff. Well, John says, well, it also means that you're going to keep God's command to love. But I put loving action. It's a bit clunky, but loving action, because love to us sounds like an interior thing, for John, it's an exterior, external, concrete thing that you do. That's loving action, and that, those are God's commands for John, to believe in Jesus and to love in action. And that is given um, expression or an example he gives is Jesus. And he says that uh, Jesus laid down his life, and that's how we ought to be. If our, if our faith is real, that's how we ought to live. Or if you want to be able to discern who's, who's right in this case, or who really are the people of God, it's the people who laid down their life for each other. And he doesn't mean it literally, although I guess it could come to that, but most of us are not going to be in a situation very often where we have to, you know, push somebody out of, a, um, out of the way of a moving bus or something like that. Um, certainly if you did that, um, you would be taking this very seriously, and that's great. But most of the time, life's not that dramatic, and laying down our lives is going to be a lot less literal um, and probably a lot less, yeah, I don't know, heroic. But nevertheless, is sort of consistent with a heart that is willing to put one's own desires and needs ahead of, uh, put them aside and, and put others ahead of their own. And that leads to eternal life. And, and John loves contrast. So, he also is contrasting this with a kind of fake faith, if you like. Remember, there's a bunch of people that he's basically calling out and saying, look, they weren't the real deal. And yes, you're hurting, and yes, you're confused, but these people weren't the real deal. They belong to the evil one. He doesn't mince words. I wouldn't go around saying that about anyone, uh, but I'm not. Uh, straight shooter, and I'm not an apostle, and John was both of those things, it would seem. So he calls them, um, belong, says they belong to the evil one, and they have a posture of hatred. That's that love and hate thing, you know, that um, the preacher was talking about. And this leads to evil action, not loving action, evil action. And the example he gives is Cain goes right back, do you know that story? I'm assuming most of you do. I don't have a lot of time to rehash it, but Cain is the first murderer. And here he uses murder, and I put it in quote marks 
murder here is not just literal murder, it's like an umbrella term. He's using a lot of umbrella terms, same with hatred. It's not just this one thing, but it's covering all sorts of things. It's saying, a little bit like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that there's, there's a connection between hate and murder. There's a connection between, you know, a very extreme form and where it just begins in our minds or in our hearts perhaps even more. You know, they're not the same. This is not the same thing as saying all sin is the same or all sin is equal. It's simply saying all sin is sin. All sin is falling short. Um, all evil action, it may vary in degrees and it may vary wildly. And there's a, a huge degree of difference between hate and murder, and yet they are somehow connected. They are sort of under the same umbrella. So murder here is a kind of umbrella term for someone who, who lives a way of evil action or um, doing evil action, if you like, and it leads to death. But I really want us to focus on the real. That's what we want to do. People that are um, trained to detect uh, counterfeit bills, like dollar bills and so forth, um, they train them not by giving them a whole lot of fakes, but um, training them by giving them a, like a lot of handling experience with real notes. This is talking about like people in banking and so on, and people who handle a lot of cash, and they give them a lot of like real notes so that they get the feel for the real thing. So we want to focus on what is the real thing so we can be discerning. And this is it here. Now, but the discernment part, like I said before, someone comes in and they, says, they say, you know, a whole lot about Jesus, maybe they claim a lot of authority or what have you, but it's not really easy to see what they're, what they're believing, but we can get a bit more insight into, you know, are they loving? Or does this way of understanding Jesus lead to greater love? That sort of thing. It's a little bit more maybe tangible. And so I want to us to sort of think about this discernment thing like this. Now, the Spirit of God, this is not pegged to any particular verse in this passage. Um, I've got verses where that's applicable in brackets, but this is just more like woven in through the passage that the Spirit of God that indwells somebody with real faith enables them to keep God's commands, which are, yes, to believe and also to uh, love in action. And the emphasis of this passage is on the loving action part. We'll get to the belief stuff a bit more next week, um, and I'll be back kind of carrying on next week. We'll get to that, but the emphasis here is on the love. And then that, in turn, through the Spirit's testimony, gives a kind of uh, evidence or proof, if you like, that really the Spirit of God lives in this person or in you or um, is in this community or, or however you want to frame it. And so it's by looking at the concrete expression of someone's faith or a, yeah, a tradition of teaching or something like that. It's by looking at how it's actually lived out that we get some insight into whether it's worth much or not, whether it's, it's real or it's fake. Now, we're never going to judge these things uh, perfectly. And I don't think it's about judgment. I think it's about discernment. Like, I don't think, I mean, maybe 
maybe in this context it's a bit different. I certainly think in our context um, we want to be pretty careful about um, being overly judgmental. We live in a culture where, yeah, there are a whole lot of different beliefs out there. It's um, a pluralistic culture, and I don't think we want to come in and just be um, calling people out left and right just um, when we see maybe that we feel like there's some error in what they're teaching or what have you, but I do think it's important for us in our maturity to be able to discern. So it's not so much a weapon, right? It's just, it's a tool. A tool for us, because, you know, we are humans and we are influenced by other people, and we might hitch our wagon to, um, you know, a particular writer or, or pastor or a group of believers or a kind of club of authors and, and Christian leaders or what have you, and, and kind of hitch our wagon to them, but we need to be careful and we need to be discerning. And one of the key ways we discern is by looking at, well, what are the fruits? Like, how is this actually lived out? And it's there that we see what is real and what is genuine, according to John. And like I said, it's not about judging, it's about discernment. It's just about um, understanding what is good for us to uh, listen to and be shaped by, and what perhaps do we want to take with a bit more of a grain of salt. It's about discernment. Now, as we're going about discernment, we're asking this question, what does real faith look like? And John gets kind of quite specific. Now, he talks about, he talks about laying down your life. And remember I said before, it's metaphorical. It's, it's not necessarily just literal. It's much broader than that because immediately he goes into this example. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This, for John, is what laying down your life looks like, in a sense. This is the, the, a life of selflessness. It's a life of generosity. It's a life of recognizing where there are needs and seeking to fill those needs to serve other people. And sometimes we get quite hung up on doctrine. Now, it's important. It really is. And I've spent a lot of my years studying theology. I think it's important. And we're going to talk more about that next week. John thinks it's important. But sometimes that's all we look at. And we're not cognizant of, like, how is it lived out? And in some ways I get the sense from a lot of the New Testament that it's the how it's lived out that is often where the emphasis is placed, more than on the, the sort of details of doctrine. There are certain essentials that are essential. John refers to these and mentions these in his letter. But we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of doctrinal points. We're talking about a few core central things, and then it's about living it out, and it's about enacting that. For John, it's not about speaking love. That's what the, the preacher does. And he speaks about love and he has it tattooed on his hand, but he certainly doesn't live it out. And in our culture, we might be tempted to think it's about feeling love and just feeling warm feelings about people. And it's not really that. It's that you do love, that you live it out. And we, if we really are genuine 
followers of Jesus, we want to do love. We ought to be seeking to do love. Now, there's a sense in which John in this passage is just saying, this will automatically happen. If your faith is real, the Spirit of God is among you and in you and dwelling in you, this will automatically happen. You will just do love. But he does actually also command it as if we do have a choice in the matter and we do have some agency, we actually have to make the decision to do love. It's both God working in us and us cooperating with God in a sense and we choose to do love and live that kind of life and that's how we ought to be known. Now, I want to just take a little digression because that's what John does here. In a way, in a way. Because as we're seeking to be discerning, not judgmental, but discerning in us, what does real faith look like? And we see that it's expressed in concrete acts of love or a way of love then we the question turns back around on ourselves and we say well how do i know if my faith is real how do i know that and and it can be an unsettling question and so john addresses that and this is what he says this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So here, John talks about your heart. And as you're seeking to be discerning in life and you're looking at um, how faith is expressed, is it showing up in doing love? You can't help but also turn that question around and go, well, what about in my own life? And, and your heart gets involved, and you, in, in your heart you're trying to sense, well, am I a loving person? Do, does this characterize my life, this kind of laying down my life? Is that what I see? And it could be a hard question. It's not always clear-cut, and our hearts might feel confident and at rest, or they might feel unsettled and unsure. John says, like, look, if you've got an uncondemning heart, if you like, if your heart feels, yeah, you know what, not out of arrogance, but I look at my life and I I see the evidence of God there, then great, fantastic, you have that confidence. Now, you would think John, being the kind of black and white, sort of love and hate, evil and love and so on, that he's kind of like black and white about everything. You think he's going to say, but if your heart condemns you, you're really in trouble and, and therefore you should panic. But that's not what he says. He says, if you've got a condemning heart, if our, de- if our hearts do not condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. In other words, you might feel a bit unsure and there have been times in my life, stages of my life where I've felt that way. And, it, and there can be all sorts of things, right? Stages of life. It could be personality. It could be just all sorts of things going on. You're, you're doctrinal, theological understanding of God, and so on. All those things can play a factor in in how we feel. And actually, it's not really about how we feel. God's greater than our hearts, whether we feel, 
you know, assured of our, our faith and salvation or whether we don't, God is greater than that because it's actually not about us. Our love, does, uh, our love is not what gives us eternal life. God does. We're not earning it. There is no earning here. Our love gives us confidence that we have eternal life. This is um, something that John Donne, a uh, poet, struggled with, and he wrote a poem about it. And I would read it to you, but let's just for the sake of time skip through it. So if you want to read some um, old school poetry, A Hymn to God the Father, it's about this unsettled heart, you know, where John Donne is wondering, is my faith really real? And where he arrives is not by looking at himself and how he feels. He arrives and he looks at Jesus. In other words, he realizes that it doesn't depend on you, it depends on Christ. It's not about whether you feel genuine or not, it's really just about Christ and coming to a greater appreciation of the character of God, who is love, for whom discipline is his strange work, as Isaiah puts it. The God who at his core and in very essence is love, And if you've ever experienced love or felt love, that's just a smidge of the love of God. And the more we start to appreciate that, the more confidence we get because we realize it's not about me and my ups and downs. It's about this God who is love. And that helps us to discern. And that helps us to live rightly by doing love. And we see this um, in in the night of the hunter. You see, uh, the preacher, <clears throat> he goes into town, he charms a bunch of people, thinking he's the real deal. He does his love and hate thing. He marries a widow. It's, it's, it's pretty bleak. It's, film, it's called film noir. It's like dark stuff. And he kills the widow because he knows that there's money there. And the kids, he's got two kids. They know where the money is too. Their late father told them. So he starts chasing the kids. And, he, and as these kids, who are really little, uh, just kind of off running away, uh, this kindly lady, kind of old school kindly, like she's quite stern, but she's really ultimately just very, very loving. She takes in stray kids, kids that need a home, and she takes them in, and she um, shows them love. She does love. It's not about her speaking. It's not really about her feeling. Those may be there, but she does love. And it shows itself in, in this moment in the film. Oh, madam, I see you're looking at my hands. Would you like me to tell you the little story of left hand and right hand, the tale of good and evil? It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. Them kids is yours? What's wrong, John? Come to me, boy. What's wrong, John? Didn't you hear me, boy? John, when your dad says come, you should mind him. He ain't my dad. No, and he ain't no preacher, neither. March, mister, I'm not fooling. Yeah, she's a real mama bear. And I'm not sure about the guns. I'm not endorsing that. But this is a lady who not only can discern, she can see through it. Right? She's suspicious from the moment. He starts to launch into his, like, little evangelistic thing, and, and she just cuts him off. She starts grilling him. And then she picks up, no, he's not the real deal at all. He's not, his faith is not genuine. He's not the genuine article. 
She, her name's Rachel Cooper in the movie, Rachel Cooper is the real deal because she doesn't speak love and feel love. She does love. It shows up concretely. May we be a community of people who don't speak love or feel love. May we be a people who do love. Let's pray. Holy God, we want to first of all thank you for Jesus. Jesus' work on the cross, laying down his life for us and then coming back to life and offering us new life is a gift. We don't earn it by showing love or any of that stuff. It's just free. And that is mind-boggling and, and unusual. It's not the sort of thing we encounter much. Help us to get a greater sense of your grace, your mercy, your love, and may that sink deep within us because we also want to be people whose faith is real and whose faith shows up in concrete, real, tangible ways. Holy Spirit, please help us to love other people, not with our words, not with our feelings, but with our actions. And I want to pray it specifically for us as a whole community. We would love it if people looked at us and said, oh yeah, that church, those are the people that love one another. We want them, yes, we want them to know that we love uh, Jesus and we have some uh, beliefs and, and um, our, you know, belief system is super important, but ultimately we want them to look at and say, those are people that love and show love and love concretely among each other in the community, but we just cannot do that by ourselves. So do a work in us, Holy Spirit. And as you do that, I pray too for our own sense of safety in your hands. Help us to recognize that it's about your character, not about ours. Recognize that you've got us. Jesus laid down his life, paid the price, as we often say. And that, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're never going to perfectly love. But we want our lives to be heading in that direction. Give us assurance and give us the, the strength and the heart to love in action, we pray. Amen.